0: I was um, 14 years old, and we started going to church, and I gave my life to Christ. And so from 14 to 18, we went to this great non denominational church, had a phenomenal youth group, youth pastor, senior pastor, and I really grew in my faith. First time ever really gone to church. But I can't remember a sermon in those three and a half, four years on fasting. I I never heard the word before. I thought fasting were for nuns and monks and crazy people, and that was never a part of my vocabulary. Then I go away to, to Bible college, and so the next seven years, four years undergraduate, three years graduate school, I'm in hours and hours and hours of classwork, New Testament, Old Testament, systematic theology, church leadership, Greek, Hebrew, everything you can possibly imagine when it comes to theology, and those seven years I never heard a single inference to fasting, not from a professor, not in a chapel. Fast forward a couple years at age 28, I'm now a senior minister in Memphis, Tennessee, and that's way too young to ever be a senior minister. They were desperate. They felt sorry for me, I guess. I don't know. But for, for 16 years, for 16 years then, I was a senior minister in Memphis, Tennessee, and not one time did I ever share a thought about fasting. Not one time in 16 years as a senior pastor did I ever talk about it. And so as I moved here, Denise and I were reading some different things. And Bill Bright, he's now deceased, but the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And I read a book about fasting by Bill Bright because Bill Bright was always talking about fasting and the spiritual breakthroughs that he'd had in his life and his ministry. And then I read some things from K. Arthur, and K. Arthur was the, the leader of the precepts ministry, and, and then Bruce Wilkinson, who, who did the prayer of Jabez with Walk Through the Bible. So I began to read all these different sources, and I thought, man, what is up with the fasting thing? And about three years ago, Janina and I, I put together, instead of going to a church conference one year, I wanted to go visit some churches. You get to go visit churches. I don't get to visit churches. And so I thought, you know what I'd like to do? I put together uh, on a long weekend, I, I was trying to find four or five different progressive churches to go visit. And I did. And so Danita and I took off and we went to a Saturday night church service. We went to a Sunday morning, different church Sunday morning, went to a Sunday night. There was a university that had a, a, a Monday morning chapel service. And then there was even a very large progressive church in Orlando on Monday night, it had Monday night services. And so, so I went to five different events in in about four days, three of the four churches, three of the four pastors got up to speak, and they started talking about fasting. And when the third pastor started talking about fasting, Denise's head and my head looked at each other and we said, okay, I think God's trying to get our attention. And it was at that point where I really got stoked to try to figure out, have I been missing something? Is there something else in the scriptures that you know my tradition has just kind of ignored? And again, I, I put it off to kind of kooky people and kind of kind of crazy fanatical groups. And so then I began to go through the scriptures and I realized in Matthew chapter four, well, Jesus fasts, and Matthew chapter four, the famous one, what Jesus led into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil, after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. I think that's kind of one of the most understated three, ver- three words in the entire New Testament right there. Uh, duh. And so then, then here's the question, and an author raised this question to me, and this author said, you know, if Jesus could have accomplished all that he came to do without fasting, if Jesus could have accomplished walking on water and raising the dead and healing the sick and feeding thousands of people, if Jesus could have done all that he came to do without fasting, why why did he fast? Uh, That's a great question. And I I didn't have an answer for that. then I began to read, again, going through the Gospels, and I would see, like in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told, Jesus equates fasting with prayer and with giving. Now, none of us in the room would think that we shouldn't pray, and none of us in the room would think that we shouldn't give. But I bet most of us, like I, just kind of skimmed over that, just kind of read right over that. Because Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you give and when you pray, and then he says, and when you fast. And all three of those are on equal plane. I I missed that. I just kind of read right over that like maybe many of us in the room. But Jesus says when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He doesn't say if you pray, if you fast, if you give. He says when. And so in Matthew chapter 6, I began to realize that all three of these are on equal footing and on on equal planes. And then there's this obtuse passage in, in the gospel of Luke there's an obtuse passage in Luke where Jesus actually has the disciples of the Pharisees come to him. And some teachers of law come to him and they ask him, why do your disciples not fast? Why is it that even John the Baptist's disciples fast? But Jesus, why is it that your disciples don't fast? And here's Jesus' answer in Luke chapter 5. Jesus' answered, well, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come, the time will come, the time is now, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days, they will what? They will fast. And so I'm getting all this different information, and I'm beginning to think about, how does all this fit together? And then, I don't know if this is accurate, but I came up with 17, I go through the Bible on my own, and I came up with 17 different stories of fasting. Now, maybe there's 18, maybe there's 20, maybe I missed two or three, I, I, I don't know. But I came up with 17. I came up with 17 individual stories about fasting. And they weren't all in the Old Testament. Several were in the New Testament. We, we alluded to Jesus. But also there was Paul. Paul fasted, and then Barnabas fasted, and then Peter fasted, and then Anna fasted. And I was fascinated to find out that there were all these 17 different stories. And then I read in a book from an author, there were seven different types of fasts in the Bible. Not one, not two, but there were seven. There were partial fasts, there were complete fasts, there were one-day fasts, there were three-day fasts, there were 21-day fasts, there were 40-day fasts. And so I came back to my question, if Jesus could have accomplished all that he came to do without fasting, why did Jesus fast? And the answer, I think, is this next slide. The answer is the Son of God fasted because he knew there were supernatural events that could only be released in that way. I think that's the answer. If Jesus could have accomplished everything he came to do without fasting, why did he fast? I think he fasted because there were supernatural events that could only be released in that dramatic way. So what is fasting? Let me give you some things for your bulletin. I'm going to give you three real quick right now, and then we'll have ten in a few minutes. But if you're a note taker and you want to go home and read about this or think about this, here's the first one. Fasting is the secret source of power that is often overlooked. This is like turbocharging your faith. This is putting you on the fast track. This is the warp speed of your spiritual life. Now, again, maybe you're doing great. Maybe you're spiritually growing. Maybe you're not stuck. Maybe you're growing leaps and bounds and you're exactly where you want to be, doing exactly what you want to do. But I don't want to be here 12 months from now, in 2015, and asking you, how did you grow spiritually? How was this a good year for you? Did you season and mature in your faith in the next, the next 12 months? I, I want you to grow I tell people all the time, I got the best church in the United States, maybe the world. I've not been to the world, but I've been to the United States. I got the best church in the whole United States. I, I got the best people. I got the best elders. I got the best staff. I, I, get to ser- I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be a shepherd w- with you. And so I, I'm excited about what this can do with you and for you and for your life. And what I've come to learn, it's taken me a long time, it's taken me about 30 years to understand this. My tradition, my upbringing, my culture, my background, my spiritual Bible college, my seminary, my churches, all that I've been a part of, this has not been a part of my tradition. But I've discovered this is the secret source of power. Number two, it's about breakthroughs. And again, are there spiritual breakthroughs in your life That you would love. You've struggled with something for 20 years. You've wrestled with an area of your life emotionally, relationally, financially, medically. There's just some incredible breakthroughs that you'd like to have in your life. So last January, um, Danita and I actually did this. And we thought that this was probably going to come up for us as a church. We felt burdened about 15 to 18 months ago to do this today right now, in this season. And so we thought, you know what? We can't lead the church to do a 21-day fast if we've never done it ourselves. Doesn't make sense. You can't lead where you've never been, right? And so last January, Denise and I, we didn't tell anybody. We did it clandestinely, just the two of us. And we came up with a 21-day fast. We followed a different guide. And we began to list the different things that we wanted God to do in our lives. We began to list the individual things for, for us, for breakthroughs for our children, for breakthroughs for our church. We began to pray. And so for 21 days, we had a different topic that we would pray about all day long. And, and again, it was a partial fast, as, as Dr. Avila said. And so last year, we gave up bread and we gave up sweets for 21 days. And that may not sound like a lot to you, but sister and brother, I love bread. Love it. I can do without the sweets, but the, and I really can't, because if I eat one oatmeal raisin cookie, I eat six, so it's just easier not to eat any. But, but, so we did that for, for 21 days. And one of the breakthroughs on that particular thing for me was, I, I, I don't sleep well. It says age 37, I've not slept like I really would like to sleep. And so I've taken Tylenol and I've taken Tylenol PM and I've taken the Benadryl since I was 37 years old. And Danita hates it. She's asked me since I was 37 to stop that, to quit that, to get off the Tylenol, to get off the Tylenol PM, to get off the Benadryl and, and to, just to ask God to give you peace. And sleep. so that was one of the things we put, put on there. And I want to tell you, since February of 2013, your pastor's been drug-free. Isn't that funny? I've been drug-free. Drug-free in 2013. I think that's hilarious. Don't repeat that outside of this, okay? Because nobody else is going to get that if you don't explain the whole, con- the whole context. But I I want you to know that as a couple, we prayed for several breakthroughs and we got several breakthroughs. And we did at the end of the 21 days, there were still things that didn't happen. So we decided to do it 21 more days. And there were a few more things that we got some breakthroughs on. But we, we said there wasn't enough. So we did it another, we did it 63 days in a row. 63 days we did this, and, and the spiritual breakthroughs, every, every prayer request didn't get answered, everything didn't happen the way that we hoped it would, every great grand miracle we put down didn't get answered, but there were a whole bunch of them that did. There were some amazing medical, some amazing emotional, some amazing relational things that took place, financial in, in our lives. And so fasting is about breakthroughs. Number three, fasting is about releasing the favor And the blessing of God upon your life. And so, Louis mentioned we're going to do a Daniel fast. And so, I want to just mention, read you the scriptures out of Daniel. We'll talk more about this next week. I'll have more time. But in Daniel chapter 10, here's what basically takes place. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has a vision, and he can't explain the vision. He doesn't know what the vision means. And he gets a vision about basically a war that's going to take place, and he's asking God to explain the vision. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision, and he didn't get it. He didn't understand the vision. So verse 2, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Uh, verse uh, 12. Let's go to verse 12. Then Daniel continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. Now, here's what Daniel did. For 21 days, Daniel went without something. What he went without is not exactly what you need to go without. Hear me clearly on this. Daniel went without meat. Daniel went without some choice foods. Daniel went without wine. And for some reason, he didn't put any lotions on himself. I don't get the whole lotion deal, but he didn't have any lotions. That, that's not apples for apples. It, it, it's not, and, and their meat was, you know, dedicated to idols. And so I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you at all what to give up if you do this. I, I'm not suggesting any of this. I'm just telling you what Danita and I did for 21 days, 21 days, 21 days. We, Our, our thing, mine's bread. I love bread. And I, I, I like sweets. So this is not an apples for apples because what means something to Daniel might not mean as much to you. And so the point about all this is it's not about the food if we make this about food, I have failed you as a leader. This is not about food. This is about prayer. Now, you give up something that you like because that gets your attention. And every time you get hungry, every time you think about something that you really like, you then go to God in prayer. And so for 21 days, we're going to have topics for you to pray through and to to pray about. And if you will do this, 21 days of your life praying for these different specific topics, your life will be forever changed. So Daniel did meat, and Daniel did wine, and for some reason he didn't put any lotions on himself, all right? I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting apples for apples. I'm suggesting you think about what means something to you, what's significant to you. Now, fasting is not fun. If I were to stand up here and tell you that that was just a whole lot of fun, now we've done this now three years in a row on Good Friday, and on Good Friday, we've done total fast. If you remember that? Remember that on Good Friday? So on Good Friday, we've never eaten. We don't eat a thing. We come here on Good Friday. We go out there, and we just about run over everybody in the lobby trying to get to the cheese and the bread and the grapes, don't we? And I haven't eaten all day, and I get to preach that night. The first time we did this, I thought I was going to pass out during the Good Friday service. So We've done we've done total fast. This is a partial fast, and this is not about the food. This is not about the food. This is about those incredible spiritual breakthroughs, power and favor of God upon. You. But it's not fun. Fasting is not fun. And fasting is, is not for the strong. Don't misunderstand this. Fasting's for the weak. Fasting's for the frail. Fasting is for the common. Fasting is for the ordinary. Fasting is for all of us in this room that we want to see God do some supernatural, incredible things for us. You see, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're going to be fulfilled. And Jesus said to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all these things are going to be added unto you. So why are we doing this now, and why are we doing it later in the year? We're seeking God first at the beginning of the year so that we will all year long reap the amazing benefits and blessings that God has in store for us. So we're we're doing some stuff in January, and we're going to reap blessings and benefits in July, and blessings in favor of God in August, and blessings in favor of God in in October and and in November. So this is not going to be fun but it will be powerful, I guarantee. Go back to your bulletin if you would. I want to fill in some blanks for you uh, about what fasting is, okay? And again, don't don't think that we're trying to manipulate God. You're not going to manipulate God. You're not going to try to earn God's favor. You already have God's favor. So, So what is fasting? Let me give you some truths about fasting. Number one, fasting is an invitation, I want to make that really clear. Fasting is an invitation. You are invited to be a part of this. Now, if you choose not to do this, or if you don't want to do this, or if you're like new to church and I don't even understand the whole Jesus thing, just come back and see if we're kooky or crazy or if we're normal or not. That's good. But just, just, just come back. But it's an invitation. And if you don't do this, it, it's not the end of the world. But we're offering you this invitation. It's kind of like our connect groups. Our connect groups, we have 82 different connect groups right now for this season, and you get an opportunity, you will grow exponentially if you get involved into a connect group. But if you choose not to do that, we're we're still friends. It's cool. I'm not the connect group or the fasty Nazi. This is for you. This is about if you want to grow in your relationship with God or not. And, And I think people always feel funny about that. always feel guilty around me if they choose not to do something. I still like you. You're just going to hell. I still I think you're great. No, I'm just, just 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 kidding. Number two, fasting is a it's a grace. It's a grace. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean it's a mystical connection. You will experience God in ways you've never experienced Him before. That's what fasting is. Fasting is a grace. Number three. Fasting is humbling yourself before God. You're not strutting when you're hungry. You're very humble. You humbled yourselves before God. Number four, fasting is an act of worship. As I mentioned, I think there's at least 17 different stories throughout the Bible. A whole bunch of them in the Old Testament, and at least five or six in the New Testament, where you see that fasting is an act of worship. You will grow. Number, number uh, five, fasting is giving up something, you, something good so you can have something better. There's nothing wrong with food. I like food. Food is great, but what you're going to discover throughout this is that your relationship with God is even going to grow deeper and better. Number six, fasting is spirit-led self-examination. We did the whole blind spot series several months ago. This is where you and God get together and you and God get alone, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you. I want you to clean this up I want, I want to give you a grace. I want to give you a gift. I want to give you a breakthrough. And so it's spirit-led self-examination. Now, the only reason you wouldn't want to do this is fear. Fear is the only reason why you, because you don't think that God has your best interests in mind. As I just want you to know, during your fast, you will experience God in some very powerful and some unique ways. And he is going to win. So just give it up early on and you'll be much happier. Number seven, fasting increases our dependence on God. That just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? We are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We are hungering and thirsting for the things and the ways of God. Number eight, Fasting allows uh, us time, allows us to set aside time for prayer. Again, if this is about the food, food then becomes the idol. This is not about the food. This is totally about the food as a means to an end. And so morning, noon, and night, you set aside time for prayer. I don't know if that works with your schedule. Again, it's not apples for apples for everybody in the room. But Deneen and I did this together first thing in the morning. And then um, sometimes, not every day, I'd call her at noon and we'd pray at noon. But that was rare. It was really more like morning. It was really more like at nighttime. Before we went to bed again, we would pray the same topics that particular day. It's a time that you set aside for prayer. And if you're single, that's great. You've got even more time to, 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 to be unencumbered by the things of a family. So you set aside time for prayer. Number eight. I'm sorry, number nine. Fasting expresses our deepest, heartfelt desires to God. You see, you've got some real desires. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to fulfill those desires. Those are deep desires within you. And most of those desires come from your Heavenly Father. And so you come before your Heavenly Father. Oh, man, I want this relationship restored. Will this be the year where my, my estranged son or daughter comes back home? Will this be the year? We've been married for, for nine years, and we just seem to have these communication issues. Will this be the year? I, I want to see, you know, my, my boss or my supervisor, you know, express some gratitude. And so you've got some heartfelt desires. And so you're going you're gonna to pray those. Number 10, fasting expresses our, our urgency. God, this is a big deal, and we want this to happen, and this needs to happen now and needs to happen soon, and we want this to, 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 to make progress very, very quickly. And so this is about urgency to your heavenly Father, because you want this. So this is an invitation. We're inviting you on the website every day. You go on the website. I've got a minute blog. Go on our website, front page of the website. You see the 21-day fast, you click on that. And every day for one minute, I'm giving you the topic of the day. You can go there today and day one for tomorrow is actually already on there. I, I, I wanna encourage you to do this. On um, New Year's Day, all five of us were together and uh, Danita got out the dry erase board And all five of us, my name, Kurt, Danita, Erica, Ethan, Emily, we're all in the living room, and we talked about our 21-day fast. And we talked about, first of all, the question was, who do you want to see come to Christ in 2014? I came up with somebody that I love dearly. He and his wife, I see in the community all the time. Far from Christ, far from God. But I'm going to pray for them every day. And Danita had a couple. Erica had a person. Emily had a person. Ethan had a person. And then, then we went through and talked about, you know, where do we struggle? Where, where, where were there some necessary breakthroughs that needed to take place in our life? Spiritually. This is cool to do this as a family with your grown kids. And we're around in the living room and the puppy's running around crazy and we're writing on the dry erase board. And, 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 and we talked about then how if God would show up here, if God would show up over there, things would be forever different, forever changing our lives. And, and, and all of us then had just columns after columns and, and we wrote them all down and we're going to pray for each other for these 21 days. I can't tell you what that did for me as a papa sitting there in the living room. My family's going to do this together. My family loves God. My family loves Harborside. This is going to make a difference. If you're single, get with two or three of your single gals or two or three of your single buddies and talk about this together. And talk about what, what spiritual breakthroughs in your life you'd like to see. And make a commitment. If you're a family, I encourage you to sit down with the kids. I encourage everybody to sit down and talk about this together. Where do I want to grow? Where do I need to grow? What are some of the spiritual breakthroughs? Where's some of the power of God that I want to see in my life? So I'm asking you to pick something, to pick a food that means something to you. Maybe it's bread, maybe it's desserts, maybe it is meat, maybe, maybe it is your Frappuccino every morning on the way to Starbucks I've gone from preaching to meddling right now haven't I they're going to ch- shove me off the stage I mentioned Frappuccino um, what, whatever it is for you whatever means something for you and you're medically safe that's what we want to encourage you we want to encourage you to do that so I'm going to ask you to do now see this food if it doesn't mean something to you it, it, it won't mean something to God So you pick something that means something for you. I'm going to do bread again. I'm going to do sweets again. But I got two more things in 2013 that I absolutely love. I'm out jogging on the same day, New Year's Day with Emily. She and I are getting ready to run a mini marathon at the end of the month. And she said, Dad, you know the two things you've got to give up. I said, yeah, I kind of do. I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want to hear it out loud. If it doesn't mean something to you, it probably won't mean something to God. So I want to challenge you to grow in your faith the next 21 days exponentially like you've never grown before. I've asked three of my colleagues to close us in prayer this morning. One's going to pray for you and pray for your health and pray for your wealth and pray for your well-being. One's going to pray for your family. They're going to pray over your family and One's gonna pray for churches and our church to be healthy and to be strong. So, Jonathan, would you start us in prayer? Would you pray with with me? Father, I just wanna lift up uh, the families, the men, the women, the children here uh, who have lives before them. And you've given us so much in life that you've called us to do. And may we do our part in preparing our bodies, uh, preparing our minds, our souls, our spirits in a healthy manner. Uh, so that we can have long, productive lives that honor and glorify you. Uh, There's so many things that can distract us from this, but we know in in our hearts uh, following you is something that is with the most benefit. So I ask personally that you'll bless all of us, this church body, as we embark on this fast and as we personally seek you out uh, so that you will continue to bless us in our efforts uh, to glorify you. Father, we know that you value families. God, you value us as parents, as children, as brothers and sisters, God. You have have offered us the opportunity to be in your family. And so, Lord, this year we ask your blessing on our families, God. We ask that your spirit would be present through us and in us and in our families, God. And we pray, Lord, that we would strive to make Jesus Christ the foundation and the cornerstone of our families, Father God, we just we thank you for calling us out of darkness and into light, Lord. Thank you that you have made us your church, and we pray that you would just give us health this year um, here at Harborside and around the world, that we would be one body and one spirit that would proclaim your name, Lord, that um, we would have knowledge of you and that others would come to know you through our testimony, through our light, that we would be salt and light unto the world, which you have called us to be, Lord. So we just pray for the health to be your kingdom, to be your church, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.